Okay, with uh, Lee Chambers, Wicked Plans is a short film played at the Comedy uh, Feedback Film Festival. Really, uh, really great film. It's fair to say that this is uh, proof of concept for a TV show, correct? Correct. <laughs> yeah, there's a... It seems like I just spoiled something or something the way you did. Yeah, no, why not really? You know what, I, I it, it, it didn't start off that way. It, it just started off as the simple story of, you know, a, a suicide bomber, an extremist showing up at a, a senator's house it didn't re doesn't realize it's halloween and he ends up with three kids adorable little kids on the front steps of the senator's house and uh is confused by what's going on um and uh it's it's a it's it's a you know it's a really hard harsh subject you think about it you know yeah. that he, is he can blow up these kids but um in the end it's 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 all about heart and it's all about learning to overcome hate and hatred and to dispel somebody's uh, beliefs uh, their extremist beliefs to understand that uh, deep down deep yeah deep down we're all we're all we're all human beings and we all want to be loved and we all want to be liked and we all want uh, goodness in our in our in our lives and and so yeah it started off as that and then after i shot the movie and it first started coming out i started saying there's a there's a there's a bigger world and and so wicked literally wicked plans a short becomes the beginning of a film where after uh, obviously i'm blowing blowing i'm blowing up my story because uh he doesn't yeah. blow up uh he doesn't blow up the kids obviously that would be horrific um that would be but a he goes back, comedy yeah yeah he goes back to uh, his apartment and we realize there's two other friends that he is uh, in north america they are uh, they're here trying to learn about north america and then they're plotting plans to disrupt uh, uh, Western lifestyle, and um, and what they learn is, and after they, uh, while they're trying to decide all these wicked plans, they yeah. learn to love and appreciate America. And actually, it turns out that each episode happens during some kind of holiday. So whether it's Valentine's Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, for the Canada Day, all of these uh, holidays that where they 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 learn to uh, uh, love. Um, the, the the people they're around, people that that they interact with, they start to to, to love it. So yeah. we 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 see their we see them being wicked in terms of we you know they're you know they start questioning their own hatred, which is yeah. interesting. So it's a good it's but the, but the lens of comedy, like every every moment, every not every but every every scene is is based on let's make the audience laugh within the lens of this kind of interest as this thematic that you just described, I guess, right? Like lesson through comedy. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there, there a couple of the the inspirations were like Jojo Rabbit, right? Where you've got this little 10-year-old kid. I just who, watched that film like last week. That's a fan, that's a fantastic film. I, I never I haven't seen it until like last week. So it's funny that you mentioned it. You know, and it was up for the Oscars. And you know what? I think to me, to my mind, I can't even I can't even remember what won the Oscar that year, but I kept saying Jojo Rabbit is the cleverest movie. It is yeah. so well crafted. And so you have you have this little boy who is in love with Hitler, and you think, how do you how do you sell that to the to uh, a funder and say, let's make this movie about a ten year old boy who loves Hitler? Um, and you know, so they make it funny. The other movie is kind of like The Dictator, right? Sasha Baron Cohen. Where, yeah, but that's a different he, type of film. Yeah, but yeah, right. So you've got uh, you've got again all of the the hatred, and he's uh, and, and so you've got the absurdity of 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 the world that is around him. And, and we laugh at it because we know that what he's saying is absolutely just stupid.
right? So, uh, so yeah, so it, it's it's uh, it's expanded. So I've written a, a like I've written a, a pilot for it, a show bible for it. Um, uh, it's uh, been on, sort of out there right now, being being pitched. And and to me, it's like finding whether it's a, a broadcaster or a streamer who can look at it and say, it's right on this borderline of being edgy. And can can you transcend the horrific nature of what this what what they're doing? to that and understand that it's really about the opposite it's really about um uh, loving life and and uh, and dispelling uh, racism and hatred so just uh, i just was looking it up uh the green like jojo rabbit uh wasn't even nominated for best picture that year oh best it was a best at was it best writing i think or something. yeah but it wasn't even nom. this is tell you how like how like nobody remembers and nobody in like the Oscars don't really matter. <laughs> That's my yeah. subjective opinion, not yours. There you go. Like there Green, you go. Book, Green Book won Best won. Picture. It should have won as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, no, Green Book won Best Picture, which is Jojo Rabbit. You know, this is all subjective, is a far, far better film than, than Green Book, right? So, but, yeah. 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 Green Book was a white man's like, oh, we could, it's good to be, we let's get over our racism movie that, that kind of had some issues. But, anyways, that's, yeah. <laughs> so basically i just wanted to, to talk about that because yeah jojo rabbit fantastic film and it's like the, the same lens as yours i do have to ask, ask a question for you though and the character's white right the the your character's white did you would you think about casting him not white because of the, the subject matter and obviously usually if you're a terrorist trying to take over america you're not white one would assume yeah, I mean, you're you're playing against type sometimes. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could go stereotypical where it's a person of of uh, of of color, right? And say, oh, they're they're from a country that could be, say, Middle Eastern in a way, or you could you could play it that way. Yeah. Playing them as as white, and yeah, I sort of created the 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 country of Ahmadijaya. Actually, I should have worn my Ahmadijaya shirt. He's white and blonde. So he's I've got like, a, I've got like, a, I've got a, I've got a baseball jersey and a hockey jersey, um, as if they're <laughs> a real country. And one of the things was, you know, we have the stereotypical what we think when we think of someone who's a terrorist, right, or yeah. an extremist. So, but what if this little country of Ahmadinejaya, where you don't specifically state where it is, they're just angry at the world for whatever, for maybe something America did to them a long time ago, and they're still pissed, mm -hmm. but they're not of color. They're white, blonde and white, and that's mm -hmm. just what they are. And I think it's you're, you're playing against the, the the stereotypical nature of what people think. No, I love it. I just wanted, I wanted to ask that question. I'm, I don't know if you've been asked that before. Uh, Never. No, I haven't. Because the film, the film's doing well, right? Like it's like it's it's playing all over the place, winning all kinds of awards. Your actor's fantastic. Uh, are you surprised by the success of the film? Um. Uh, well, it's, it's the best short film I've done in terms of festival and award success. It's done really well. And I've made, you know, I've, I made a feature that did did well and was out in a bunch of festivals and and, and did really well. And it's, been, it's on Amazon Prime called The Pineville Heist. Uh, this short, I think it's the, it's, I think it's the idea that, you know, as a quick blast of, of oh my God, and, and, and the, the, the laughter, you know, I think it's well, you know, I, I think it's, it's a well-written script and I, I managed to pull it off in terms of getting great kids. And it's interesting, you know, so they, so they, the main character was in the, he was the pizza boy in uh, Deadpool. Mm -hmm. And so he had some shops. So I knew he was good as an actor. And then the three kids, when I was scouting the three kids, I, I 
I, literally there was a, a, a um I can't it was somebody that I met and they said oh they got all three kids together and kind of sent me a video with all three of them together all in one group as a group because they all knew one another yeah. and I'm like oh my god you just did all my casting for me I'm going to take all three of you and put you into my into my movie and they were fantastic uh, to shoot over the night. I mean, the the, the ferry got tired uh, in the middle of the night, and that was uh, that was uh, that was a uh, one of the big, probably the biggest challenge was uh, I warned them that they it's a you know in a twelve hour day you're going to be tired at four four o'clock in the morning. But I, yeah, no, it's 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 done really well. It's uh, we just celebrated one hundred festivals as we we're coming near the end of our festival run. Uh, and I'm and I appreciate your festival. Um, the the feedback is great. I think it's great for filmmakers to see, um, sort of comments from the audience and you know from people that you don't know. I mean, your family and friends always go, "We loved your movie," and you're like, "That's nice, thanks, mom." Um, but it's the person who turns on the TV or goes to a festival and for five, six minutes or whatever, however long the film is, they don't know what they're going to see and then how it impacts them. So to, to, to get the feedback from your festival and to get people's honest reactions to, to the work, I think is, is, is something I think that, you know, is great for me to share with, uh, you know, for, with potential streamers and broadcasters when I'm trying to push, push this as a as a concept that I think could work in a longer format, uh, whether it's a web series or whether it's a half hour series. So yeah, very happy with uh, how it's doing. And, and, uh, and like I say, I'd love, an, I'd love a chance to tell the more expanded story. So you, you mentioned it was a great script, but I gotta give kudos to the director, which is you. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks. Tone wise, this is not an easy film to do. Right. Like you just described it in the beginning of the podcast about like it's subject matter and the lens you're using is comedy. So basically it can go a little bit into the dark side or a little bit too fluffy. And you got to kind of find that balance. Right. Where like you're telling the story. It's serving. So we're getting emotionally attached. It's not over the top, but also it's not like too dark, I guess. Right. It's like, you know, what I'm trying to say it's like not an easy film to direct. No, um, it's not. It, and it, you know, I have had a couple people who've um, uh, who they've been very like, oh, like it's you, it's too far, like it's too dangerous, it's too, you've gone too too far for me. So it, you know, you you, not everybody looks at it and goes can can laugh at it. So it it borderlines on that, it, which is fine. I mean, I, I think I think doesn't matter what kind of film you make, what it, whether it's a, a comedy, a drama, whatever, is that there's always a sliver of audience that you're that you're going for. You're trying to get, you're trying to hit that mark. Um, but you know, some people might watch it and and be, no, this doesn't work for me. I mean, you never every no film has you know is 100 perfect for everybody. Where everyone, ev nobody has a bad thing to say about it. So so it, it you know it's uh, it's I think it's got an audience though. I think there's a wide enough audience of people that are willing to laugh at it. Um, to look and consider their own um, prejudices or, or their own views on the world and, and to sort of turn it around and go, Oh yeah. Okay. I can see, I can, I can, I'm, I'm allowed, I'm allowing myself to laugh at this. So for sure. Yeah. Like it's like, like there's different types of comedy and, and you know, like I remember watching like it's cause it's coming back. I remember watching Kirby enthusiasm and about him sleeping with a Palestinian and basically the Jewish population, you know, 
saying that's too far, Larry, that's too far. But it's like, no, it's like you have to find that, especially in today's world where everybody's so yeah. sensitive. We got to find that line, right? Yeah, exactly. Stretch the line. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then also too, child actors who are the core of your story, they, it's sort of like not an easy three of them at, and in nighttime. So I'm assuming you're shooting at night yeah. and, uh, and there's three of them and you got to basically get three performances, not just one child actor, but that's, that's not easy as well. Yeah. Uh, though they, we did a bunch of rehearsals on it. And you sort of, we talked about, you know, the, the attitude and the, you know, where, where they are. I mean, obviously the, the, the fun part of it is that, uh, you know, the, the suicide bomber shows up with a serious goal and then uh, everyone around him is completely oblivious and just thinks it's funny. They just think he's out trick or treating with a, with, and he's taking his, his costume seriously, even though he really does have a deadly <laughs> weapon on one yeah. on him that could cause devastation. But uh, yeah, they, they, it, it was, you know, what's interesting is in, in the wicked plans ashore, the three kids are, you know, they're a big focus because of the Halloween aspect. But when you move in, when I move into what would be more the serious, the series idea that they wouldn't be. So there would be, there's, there's more of, um, uh, of the, the three, the three friends who show up and actually how, because I'm in Regina, Saskatchewan right now, one of the things that we, I was looking at is that these th three wannabe terrorists show up in Regina, Saskatchewan by accident because one of them was booking the flight and he thought he was going to Regina, New Mexico. And so when they show up at the border uh, to, for the border agent, and they realize they're in Regina, Saskatchewan, and now their visa issue is an issue. They've got to stay in Canada for a year because they've got to sort out their visa to to come in to to try to get out of Canada to go to America. They're getting a, a call from someone on a sat phone in in Regina, New Mexico, wondering where they are, and they've screwed up. And so, each of the characters has a unique, you know, one of them has. They they want to ban him from using any kind of technology like um, shopping on uh, on on uh, online shopping because he screws up everything right um, and so they they're stuck in they're stuck in Canada for for a period so they're they're practicing they're practicing to be terrorists in in Canada but their ultimate goal is, is America and yeah well then, then nobody goes that no offense to Regina but nobody goes to Regina Saskatchewan right so that's no, not that's no fun. nobody. Nobody. <laughs> what is it to do in Regina to Saskatchewan? Um, make movies about suicide bombers and little children. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about Saskatchewan is that is that pop, from a population standpoint, it stays at one million or like nine hundred thousand. It never like usually population increases, especially in Canada. Regina, Saskatchewan, is always stays at nine hundred thousand people. Yeah, they're not allowed. Over, they're yeah. not allowed. There's a ban. There's a government ban on. They're not allowed to go beyond beyond a million. I mean, you know, it's weird. I, you know, I I, I came into Saskatchewan. I was a kind of en route from Ontario and heading out towards uh, British Columbia, but it was under COVID. Things were kind of, nothing was happening. Everything's whatever. I kind of stopped here because I knew I knew somebody in in Regina, um, somebody that uh, optioned uh, one of my screenplays and. Which didn't get made, but I ended up working on a CBC show with with them um, uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, so I kind of stayed. I have I've, I've stuck here, and you know, as a writer, I do I do a lot of writing for clients in America and whatnot. And you can write anywhere, so it doesn't I don't have to be British Columbia to write or whatever. I could be anywhere. I will say this about Saskatchewan: when the, the you know the, the weather is, has been is they get a lot of sunshine and the wide open skies make the sun rises and the sunsets absolutely spectacular. 
and right now they're talking about the the uh, the northern lights are going to be just a, a, a fantastic and already seen seen what that looks like here so it's a uh, it's what's nice is quieter um you know when i you know i zip out and it's like 10 minutes here 10 minutes there as opposed to getting stuck in freeway traffic and whatever so there's advantages obviously of being uh somewhere where um where there's under under a million people <laughs> So they, yeah, they, that corner gas, they did, it was corner gas film there, the the famous CBC. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's pre my time, but yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so then basically, so Style, Style Dane, that's the actor's name, fantastic in the film, like not easy, another thing, not an easy role to play. Where did you, how did you, how did you approach him to, uh, to be in the film? Uh, well, you know, it's funny. It was the, the producer that I was working with. I was at a party, um, like a barbecue party one in one summer. And he was there because he's from Regina, but had he was out in Vancouver for a period of time and working on movies. But he was back in Regina and uh, was at the barbecue because of the producer. And uh, I was right in the middle of I'm going to what am I going to do with this, this, this film in terms of how am I going to cast this person? And there's a there's a couple other people that I was considering. And actually, in actual fact, there was one actor who I, I was interested in and had he he had a look that was that could borderline. Is he um, of color or is he white? Like it was very much you look and go, what? It could be either. You know, it, it was paler. They were paler, but they had that look and they read the script and were horrified. They was you can't make this like. They they didn't get it at all. They were like, "This is this is dangerous. You can't put this out. This is totally wrong." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and so obviously, obviously, they weren't in the movie. Uh, and so style, I approached style, and uh, yeah, he yeah came out and said, "Sure," and uh, and was great. Did a great job. And so you you shot this in Saskatchewan. Yeah, right in Regina. Yeah. And I've, I've my limited research about your actor, but I think his mom's from Saskatchewan, right? I guess, yeah, yeah, they're 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 from here originally, so yeah, so they're from yeah, they're from there originally. So that was that must have been cool for him. He's a working actor. He makes he works on in like working actor in uh, Vancouver. So he obviously you said he's known from the Deadpool uh, movie, which they shot in Vancouver. But they, you know, like he makes a good living. Is like he he's got a certain look. He's got a certain uh, style. Pardon the pun. And. Uh, and yeah, he's just, he's fantastic in the film. A lot of close-ups and like, yeah, tone, like I said, another thing, tone-wise, he, he's got to find that line in his performance, right? Where like, it's yeah. not too dark, right? Yeah, exactly. He's fantastic. Did you do a lot of takes when you were shooting? Not really. I'm not like a crazy, I'm not Kubrick. I don't do 80 takes <laughs> or everything. Uh, you know, we had lots of, there was lots of dialogue in it. So it's pretty dialogue heavy and yeah. back and forth and back and forth and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you know, getting the continuity right, you know, over a 12 hour shoot to make sure that the performance levels um, are in and the energy levels of everybody is 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 right and will edit together well was 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 a little bit tricky um, but to do. I mean, ideally with something like this, if you were shooting it as a properly shooting this as a series, you'd shoot with maybe two cameras so you could get you make sure the continuity is there and, the, and you can get reactions that are, you know, from opposite cameras. I think you would you'd You'd, you'd have an easier time doing it but yeah no it, it the shoot went the shoot went uh went 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 pretty good so then in terms of post-production uh did you work with an editor like what was the process there yeah i mean you know um i, I can edit and i can i can i can shoot with a camera but i rec recognize my strengths and uh you know i'm i'm 
I like to work with, actually, I like to work with an editor. And it goes back to my film school days back in, back in England, where um, I, I've, I've learned over the years what an editor needs, right? So a lot of times editors get frustrated because um, they, the director didn't get this shot or didn't get that shot. And so I'm constantly, while I'm shooting, thinking about how this is going to cut, how, what shot do I make sure I'm going to need, um, at least have in the, in my, my toolkit when I get to the editor. Uh, so I pretty much work, I work with a, a great editor here in Regina who, who um, he, he's done two of my short films and it was a dream because it was like, bang, here you go, take, take it and uh, cobble it together. And they make, they make a lot of the choices that I would have made, but they also sometimes surprise you. Like an editor kind of throws things into the mix and you think, oh yeah, that's cool. Like you, like I would have cut, I would have done this close up and you've done the opposite, whatever, but you're right. Yours works better. And, and from my point of view, it's to be humble as a director is to realize that uh, uh, one of us needs to be right. And I don't care if it's me, if you come up with a great idea and you can make this look better on screen or sound better on screen or whatever, um, when we're all together, it really is a team sport. And, you know, I've been telling my, some of the casting crew uh, over the last couple of days that we hit 100 film festivals and they're all like, congratulations. We're so proud for you. And I'm like, it's not me, it's us. It's our film. Like it's, it's everybody who worked on the film. It's their film. Just because I wrote and directed, it doesn't make it singularly mine, right? It's a team sport. So, uh, so yeah, it's that the the whole process from from beginning to end was um, oh sure there were some pickups here and there but for the for the most part I'm pretty good at planning and organizing so I make sure that even if there are problems uh, I, I try to make sure I get a, a a decent good film at the end of the day hundred percent and then sound design really good sound design like I said tone wise too got to find yeah that's a that's a, it's not an easy job who did your sound design. Yeah, so I've got my my team of uh, Ross Warren and uh, Woody, who are part of Playmaker Pictures. Uh, they uh, uh, Woody, who's uh, uh, he is a DJ for Rock, uh, not Rock ninety four. Um, um, uh, I totally forget the name of the uh, not Rock ninety four. I'm thinking of a completely different city. Um, <laughs> he's a DJ. He's a he's a he's a top DJ in okay. uh, in in Rodriguez. He played the uh, tax, taxi driver, but. His his uh, his production team of um, Ross and Warren, who edited did some editing and did some uh, did some uh, sound design on there, helped put, bring the whole film together. In was it Ross, he did the he was the composer as well. He did the music yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, nice. It's a nice uh, put together film. Like um, in terms of the, the so yeah, so you got a good team of people all all around. So you you but you do this. Uh, I was uh, if you go to your website leapchambers.com, we'll have a link on the podcast. You do guest speaking, though. You talk about filmmaking process. You talk about, like, what you just described, about, like, working with a team, and that's sort of your thematic, right, where it's building that team to make the best film possible. Yeah, for sure. I, I taught film, uh, filmmaking for 15 years as a professor in Thunder Bay at the film school there. Um, and, you know, I was making my own films at the same time and then also um, working with other other students. So, you know, thousands of short films and hundreds and hundreds of students that I saw over the years trying to guide them into uh, to making making their stuff and to try to teach. To me, there's a there's a technical aspect of filmmaking where, you know, here's a camera, you press this, it does that. You press this, it does this. I mean, there's there's a, you know, an on off switch of, of technology that 
you can learn that part pretty easy. The the hard part of the filmmaking is you're dealing with people, right? So you have a crew of, you know, 20, 10, 20, 30, 40 people or on a big film, hundreds of people. And so you have the human dynamics in there of, of how do you motivate all of those people to follow one singular vision? Because the, you know, the top of the pyramid is the writer, director, or the, the, you know, the person who, who is, who is, commanding the crew and um you have all these different egos and people you know uh, directors making decisions that people don't agree with and and so how do you manage that right how do you how do you how do you motivate people to do things that they disagree with you on because somebody you can't it's hard to, you can't do it by committee right it's hard to do a film by committee because you just get it gets lost it's all over the place so you need somebody needs to make a decision and as i said um it's okay not to have all the answers right and it's okay it, you know you have a a, a view I'll, I'll tell you just real quick funny story i met peter Farrelly, who did um green book oh so and, i just um, trashed the film that your, your friend the guy with your friends with i'm so yeah sorry. and he actually supported one of my family. He actually donated money for one of my films um years ago and <laughs> he was saying that when they were writers bobby and peter Farrelly, when they were writers trying to get a break they wanted to get in directing and they they um was sitting down with Fox and they said, uh, who are we going to get to direct this? And they put their hand up and said, we want to direct it. And they're like, but you've never directed before. And they went, oh. they gave him a shot and they went to a party and someone said, um, Hey, we're directing a movie, our first movie. And they'd never done a short film or anything. They just, and, and a director said to them, said, my advice, get a lot of coverage. And they went, what's, what's coverage? And they went, Oh my God, you're in so much trouble because they didn't know anything. And he said, the, the advice I have is sit down with all your casting crew on day one, before you start and say to them, be, be honest. We've never directed before. There's terms we don't know. We don't understand everything about the, the mechanics of filmmaking, but we understand the story. We understand the characters. We understand roughly where we think the camera needs to be pointed in order to get the shots that we want. He says, because if you don't do that, your crew will think you're idiots and will revolt on you after the first day when they realize you don't know what you're doing. But if you admit it, right up the top. I don't know what, we don't know what we're doing, but we understand the story and characters. Um, you'll win them over and they'll work really hard to try to help you make a really good movie. And that's what they did, right? Dumb and Dumber, I think that right? was, I think that was there's something about Mary, I think was that. Oh, Dumb and Dumber was their first movie. Was there that their first one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember those, that was, it's, it's, uh, it's funny enough, it's 30 years ago, 30 years ago, they made Dumb and Dumber. And I remember reading what you just described. It was in a book. I can't remember the book, but they just des they describe that same story that yeah. you uh said in the book and about like they basically like yeah it's a it's a great film it's like it still holds up today dumb and dumber yeah. it's like i remember yeah. watching the theater for and it was like when i was a teenager and i thought it was brilliant so yeah yeah they were good writers and they were just like like they said that they had uh they were they were trying to get things made and they were getting frustrated that they said there was one movie where the the script had an actor attached but they were waiting for a director and then when the director was free the actor had signed on to a movie and they said that some of their scripts just stuck in development hell they were going nowhere and they said what they had they realized what they have to do is they need to take the director part of it out of the equation by directing themselves so we've got an actor and then they're like what who should direct this and then they spend a year or two trying to find a director for a project so they said well if we're going to make something we need to we need to control control what we're making and so they became writers a writer and director and you know when i started i was i you know i, I want to be a director i want to be a director and the first films that i made were written by other people 
And if I think good directors learn how to be writers, like you have to, you have to be a good writer too, right? You have, you have to learn. Nobody's going to walk up to an un, unknown director and provide them with an award-winning screenplay. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So writers, you know, really by nature, I think you have to learn how to write or work with someone who can help you get your stories out there, the stories that you want to tell. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, they they're they're storytellers, right? So they have to have a little bit of that skill set. You yeah. should, you should, right? Yeah. yeah. No, but it doesn't mean they have to write the screenplay, but they just have to understand the the story beats and kind of work yeah. and massage the the screenplay because the screenplay could you can or you can argue is still a blueprint, right? You could you're still molding it in in production. You're molding it in post production and and trying to make the best film possible, right? So. Yeah, yeah, and I you know when I did my feature film, Heinville Heist, that was a twenty-five day shoot, and and uh, you know a lot of filmmakers who do short films, you shoot over a couple of days, whatever. It's not it's not that bad, but I remember shooting my my feature over three weeks, and I remember a scene that we did where literally we had to shoot part of the scene on one day, and then four days later we we did we had to continue with part of it with another actor and then another week we didn't so literally over three weeks over like 21 days we were shooting bits that were for one scene and for a director to keep that all in their head like i need to make sure that the actor's performances are are, are they match They're, it's going to work it's not you know there's not going to be this as you cut it together you realize the actor's performance is like goes just just wrong i mean it just doesn't cut together it's just like so it's uh you know it's a lot of work for a director to keep all of that tone, performance, uh, level of energy, right? Um, you know, when you're talking about a long day of shooting and uh, uh, and then spread out the filmmaking over a long period of time that bounces around all over the place, it's uh, it's it can be a bit of a challenge. Well, go to your we'll definitely promote your website as well because you get people can watch some of your films on your website and your award-winning short other shorts. And then you, uh, your films on your your feature films on Amazon right now as well. Then you can do you do guest speaking at various film festivals. You've also written books too, right? You've written a few books. Yep, yep. I've written books. Have uh, sold like thirty or sixty five thousand copies of of books, including a new one. We're actually released the screenplay called Conviction Early. Um, and if you go onto my website leechambers.com and go to the movies section, you can actually watch Wicked Plans now. So yeah, it, has it been out? It hasn't been out publicly while it's been on the festival circuit, but now that I've had a hundred festivals and I'm at near the end, uh, anybody now can freely go and watch uh, Wicked Plans whenever they like. So I watch, I read, I listen to, I read, I listen to a lot of audio books, like maybe one, at least one a week, sometimes twice a week. So the Pineville Heist I just saw is on, has an audio, is on audio, on Audible right now. Yeah. I'm just looking at it. So would you recommend me reading the book or am I allowed to uh, listen to it on audio, on Audible? Well, well, they're both the same. <laughs> What's that? They're the same. They're reading the book and listening. To no, I, well, some people would say would say you got to read the book. You know, how people are right, right? So, I don't. You know, I'm a I'm an audiobook person too. I find like after like if I'm reading a book, my I just get lazy. Um, and I put in an a, 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 an, an ear pod and what sometimes while I'm doing other things. That's so, sort of yeah. That's why I, I do the dishes. I do the dishes. I go on a car ride for half an hour and I listen to a book. And sometimes I listen to it at almost double speed. So I'm listening to like an hour's worth of book and 30 minutes. And then after about four or five days, I've finished a book. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, 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 I use, I use audible all the time. Lots of books. 
I'm work, I'm working. See, that's the thing. I'm working. So then while I'm working, I can listen to a book. So that's yeah. sort of my my the permission permission grant. They're saying that the that people are are listening more. Audio audible is becoming more popular than the book itself. So people, I don't know if you see the stats of your books, but more people are 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 buying Audible than the actual print book itself these days. In a general, yeah, uh, we did. Uh, I did pretty good, decent with with Audible. I mean, the audio, uh, the ebook was 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 massive. Um, uh, I mean, I, I probably about. 70% of my sales were were, were were ebooks. And the great thing is you upload a file, right? So I upload the ebook file. Done. There's no the, packing, the shipping. Prints. There's nothing. No packing, shipping, no distribution thing. You know, Amazon take their 35 cents. I make whatever on it, but you're hitting anywhere in the world. So, you know, the, the, the conviction book that I just put out, which is actually a screenplay, which there's a portion of it at the beginning, which is written like a traditional book. And then it actually is, I published the actual screenplay. Um, it sold uh, it sold almost five thousand copies in like ten countries. So I I wouldn't have been able to reach those other nine or eight countries on my own. And so uh, so you know it's been great being able to push something out and uh, people have access to it anywhere in the world. But the Pineville House is a, is a movie. Yeah, it look it feels like a movie. Like like even like it is a movie. It is actually a movie. Good. <laughs> That's what I wanted. That's what I'm trying to lead to, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because yeah, it feels like yeah, it's a and you directed it yourself too, too right? You, you, yeah, you co-wrote it, co-wrote it with a friend of mine, and then uh, directed it. Amazing. So you're on. Like, listen, I this this Wicked Plans has got the makings for a fantastic TV show. Really, in the in the kind of realm of what we're talking about now, right? Like, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of stereotypes. There's a lot of like angry people at America for obvious reasons and the very divided country and a lot of hatred going on and a movie like this or a TV show like this is kind of like kind of talks about it, but doesn't, you know, t- doesn't tell you what to think. It just kind of shows this story in a comedic way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the timing, the timing could be, uh, could be uh, just right. You know, whether, whether it's, uh, I was just talking to a friend of mine in, in the States about um, how, you know, you know, looking in, in Canada, uh, Netflix Canada passed on it. And uh, I said, we're looking at other, op- you know, so other options and stuff like that. And I go, it's like, whether it's England or, or, uh, or, or America, it's like looking for a um, proactive streamer or whatever, even if a small, smaller streamer like FX or something like that. It's like, this might be the kind of niche they would like go, yeah, let's, this is, this is the kind of thing or Apple go here, here's something like, you know, kind of edgy that, uh, that yeah. you can go for. Hundred percent, and yeah, this is the world that we live in. It's the streaming services; they're looking for content. They'll give you some creative freedom as well. So, you got a hundred festivals under your belt. It's uh, yeah, it's got a good. You got a good actor. It's sometimes it's tough getting the lead actor. You got him already, so you're on your way. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. Thank you for your time. Let's talk again when you make your next film. Thank you very much.